This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 160160 of the Laravel News Podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with us again. Uh, I've got with me, as always, the man in the Lakers hat with a brand new camera and lens looking so pretty on that F-stop 1.4. Crisp. crisp. Mr. Michael Dorinda. Crisp, indeed. How's it going, man? Good. Been wanting to do this for ages. And the uh, the camera came up and the lens came up on uh, on Gumtree, which is like your Craigslist. I don't know if you've got Gumtree over there. Maybe you do. Yep. And yep. Um, yeah, yep. they just well both became available this week. So I snapped them up and... Uh, here we are looking looking pretty yeah, nice it looks it looks beautiful looks beautiful and um i don't use gumtree here but there is like a bunch of other ones so uh craigslist yes but facebook marketplace i think is mm-hmm. taken over as the uh listing place of choice it's the only reason i still have facebook on my phone yeah it's because i use facebook marketplace sometimes yeah yeah, no, yeah. i, uh, I so got the camera good times. Got the, good times got the camera off of gumtree and i got the lens from marketplace so Worked out well, and you got a pretty good deal. I think you like paid half of what retail is for both everything. Yeah, right? I mean, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, so that was second hand, but the lens, the the guy basically never used it that I bought it from, and the camera was like an older guy, so yeah, it was all well looked after. And didn't you say that when you told when you told your wife how much you spent on a webcam, she was like, "What the?" Well, she's like, "You spent how much on a webcam?" Right? And then you took and then you took a picture with it. Yeah, I took one photo yeah. of Liv of of my daughter of our daughter and uh, she was like i'm gonna take that camera and, and never you're never gonna, gonna see it again yeah exactly she was just happy with how it came out every time you're and gonna... it was not like i didn't i didn't frame the photo i did I, like i right. was holding it right. and so i've like just put the camera around in front of me and like trying Snap to take a selfie, selfie with, this, right. with this giant lens on there and just she just pulled the the, the best face at the right time no, and, yeah uh, yeah it's hard to take a bad photo with uh with a good camera right so yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, hey, why don't we go ahead and uh, jump in and get started? Before we get started too much here, we want to give a quick shout out to Honey Badger with their amazing new product called Hook Relay, which we're going to be talking a little bit more about later in the show. Hook Relay is a way for you to implement web hooks in a really easy and effective way for your Laravel apps, for other applications, for other uh, frameworks as well. But of course, we're talking about Laravel today. So for Laravel, it is. So thanks, Honey Badger, for sponsoring the show. Hey, let's get into releases then. Mr. Dorinda, you want to jump into Laravel 8.81? Let's do it. Laravel 8.81 came out the week of January 26th with a string scan method, the ability to disable caching in attribute accesses and get or put and a get or put collection method and more. So starting off here with the stringable scan method, Amir Rami contributed a scan method to a stringable to stringable implemented using PHP's sscanf function. So you can do uh, assertions against things to make sure that you can find partial things. So you can say, for example, assert one, two, three, four, five, six in a stringable of SN. So you can look for basically substrings. Let's let's look this up, but I'm pretty sure S scan is a substring. Parses input from a string according to a format. So if you know that this is sorry, a weird not one. a substring, but yeah, so if you, you know that yeah. I've never never heard of this function, never used it before, but it's it's useful. Um, short of doing like a like a regex across a string, if you know mm-hmm. that a string is always going to be in the format SN colon five numbers or whatever, then you can use this rather than using regular expressions right. or using um, using string 
matching or using explodes or anything like that. So right. Hey, uh, but this scan F thing is really interesting. Like I've never actually looked at this. Have you ever used this before? Never used it. It looks like it's kind of like the inverse of a printf. Right. S where printf, printf yeah. you can use you know percent S percent D or whatever to to put placeholder strings into you know so you can have like a an input with you know where you're placing a, yeah. a string rather than doing string interpolation you can use printf sure um this looks like the kind of inverse of that so you can say like exactly. instead of looking for a, a pattern or using a regex or something like that you can just say like sn scan percent d and then it will make sure that that value appears in there so uh, as always not doing this justice but definitely check out it's really cool. we'll have links to examples in there it, it might simplify some of your test assertions so definitely check it out Next up, Declan Norton contributed the ability to disable caching for attributes being accessed via the new attribute class, which was introduced a couple of point releases ago. You can use the new API in a few ways. You can either return inside of your model accessor, return attribute colon colon get without caching, or you could say uh, attribute colon colon get pass your, your value there and then chain on disable object caching. And an explanation of the use case from the pull request description, I often find myself adding virtual accesses to construct objects based on other attributes within the model, most commonly daytime instances. Currently, the result of an accessor is cached if it's an object and only invalidated if the attribute's mutator is called. Scalar types are unaffected. So if you're needing to make manipulations to those things or if you don't want, you know, you explicitly don't want these values to be cached for whatever reason, definitely check that out. And lastly, in this release, Leto EU Son Lito has added the get or put method to collections, which simplifies the use case where you either want to get an existing key or put the value if it doesn't exist and return the value. So previously you might have to do a collection has, and if that returns false, then you can put a new value into the collection and then you can get that uh, with the get or put, you can either get or put a value or pass a callable to do some kind of resolution logic. And that will check to see if it exists. If it doesn't, it will place it into the collection and then return that new value straight away for you. So that's something that you had to do. Again, another one of those stream streamlining quality of life features that you can check out. So we'll have links to all of that, Laravel 8.81 in the show notes. Very nice. We've got 8.82 as well. The first thing that we have is cross-joined sequences in factories. So if you have not yet used these before, not a problem, but in your factories, there is an ability now to have uh, something called a sequence. And the sequence will essentially allow you to specify multiple values manually that you can have your factory uh, iterate through as it creates them. So uh, you might, for example, say that you want to have a uh, different like permission levels. Like you could have user, editor, uh, admin, right? Maybe you'd have those three. You just kind of want to cycle through those user, manager, admin, and user, ad, you know, editor, admin, whatever you might have. Well, if you wanted to do this multiple times with different values, you would previously have to call those sequences manually multiple times. So now what we have is this ability to have a, you can join these multiple factory sequences with these matrices these matrices it's called a matrix sequence so when you call state you can say new matrix sequence and then you can define values in a man this is going to be another one of those things where it's like hard to it's explain a multi-dimensional it. array. yeah it's a multi multi-dimensional <laughs> array right and so you it essentially got, allows you to transpose transpose all of the values onto each other sure so in the in this case we have a first name of thomas and a first name of agent and then we have a last name of anderson and a last name of smith and so what it'll do is use that first name with each of the last names so to do first name, 
last name, first name, second last name, and then it'll switch over to second first name, first last name, second first name, second last name. So it basically will make sure that each of those values gets used with each of the others from this matrix sequence. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but whereas previously you'd have to call it multiple times, now you can do that uh, in just one big matrix. So that's pretty handy, I suppose. That's, I'm not, you know, I've not used even sequences yet. So maybe someday I will, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but there we go. Uh, we've also got this transliterate string helper. So Liam Hackett contributed a string transliterate method, which will take a string and transliterate that string to its closest ASCII representation. So, um, you know, you have some of these characters that might have like a um, accent. Like an accent mark. Thank you. Yeah, an accent mark. And if you don't want to have that, if you just want to get the closest ASCII representation of it, you could pass the you could pass that string to the transliterate method and then it would just replace that uh, with a very default ASCII character. So like if you had an A with a tilde over it or whatever it is, um, not a tilde, but, you know, an accent mark over it, it would just return A. Uh, so if you've had problems previously, maybe, uh, you know, in your database storing those, if you're trying to do some sort of string matching and you're not, you know, you're not accounting for those other characters, uh, using the string transliterate might help you out there. We've also got a required array keys validation rule that was contributed by Andrew R. Scott. Uh, and so what this does is it will allow you to specify what keys should exist on an array that is being passed in to your request. So if you have an array value that's coming in and you want to make sure that it contains the keys of foo and bar, you can now do that. So use the rule required array keys, specify the keys that should exist, foo and bar. And then if they don't contain those, it'll say the whatever field must contain entries for foo and bar or just the one that's missing. So you can see the complete complete list of new features and updates on GitHub, of course, for between 8.81 and 8.82. Okay, we've got some exciting news as well. If you didn't get to see the trailer yet, you should definitely take a look. Michael, what do we got? Yeah, Laravel Origins is a brand new documentary on the history of Laravel and how it went from nothing to one of the leading frameworks of the world. We've got the trailer, which we'll include in the show notes for you to check out if you haven't seen it already. Did do the rounds. I think every member of the Laravel team and everyone associated did the did the retweet thing. It features Taylor Otwell and many others who've contributed to making Laravel te- the technology and community that it is today. Jeffrey Way popped up. Dale Reese popped up. If you've been in there uh, in the Laravel community for a long time, he was one of the OG, mm-hmm. you know, teachers yes. of the framework. The Red Fox. Um, Matt's in there. Adam's in there, despite having abandoned PHP and gone off to play with his little CSS framework <laughs> um, and a whole bunch of others. And and I'm aware that there's a whole host of other people that are not in the trailer as well that have been interviewed after the trailer came out. So the online premiere of the documentary itself will be on the 2nd of March. You can watch hashtag Laravel Origins as soon as it goes live alongside the cast of the documentary and other artisans, plus an AMA with Taylor and a Laravel after party. There is, I think, a limited number of seats. They're doing that. It's like a virtual, like a meta metaverse. I loathe to use the term, but some one of those online meeting sure. things where there's uh-huh. like animated characters and you can run around and things like that. So really, uh, that's cool. Laravel Origins was filmed at the end of last year, produced by OfferZen and directed by DeWald Brand, with shoots in the US, Canada, the UK, Australia, Portugal, Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, Austria, and Egypt. So they have done the rounds. They have spoken to a lot of people in the community. Uh, I'm excited to check it out. It would be like a 30, 40 minute documentary wait, 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 as far wait, as I'm wait, aware. Wait, wait. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They came all the way to Australia and didn't interview the guy 
who did Laracon Australia. Am I am I hearing that correct? I don't know. I don't I don't recall being interviewed, but that's Michael. Okay. There's a <sighs> what is happening in this world right now? Unless you know what I think you're just gonna they, make they a, didn't actually travel here. They didn't actually travel here. They because uh, they, they can't. We don't, yeah, we, don't, sure. we don't let people in to our I, country hey. at the moment. So they've yep. they've outsourced some of the the recording process, that. as far as I'm aware. So yeah, uh, no, I wasn't interviewed, but that's okay. I think there's I've had my time in the in the limelight in the community. So there are other people that are well positioned and and very well deserving. Absolutely of, of the voice. I mean, like it would be, in, it would be impossible to get all the people who deserve to be in the in there, right? You know, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Absolutely. Yep. Very exciting. I uh, I reserved my ticket already, uh, so I will be metaversing it up, as you called it. I don't know Beautiful. if I get to create a little like avatar character. I'm gonna be pretty stoked about that. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get small a small thing. Uh, small thing. Yeah, I have to get a uh, go out and get an Oculus and join in the fun. Okay. <laughs> Next up, we've got PHP Monitor 5.0 for Mac OS. I have been using this for a while now. Nico Verg uh, Verbruggen. Nico Verbruggen is the guy who created this. So PHP Monitor is the lightweight native Mac app to manage PHP and Laravel Valet. And uh, he just released version 5.0. So what I use this for typically is I use this for switching between versions of PHP. So if mm-hmm. I am on a project that requires 7.4, I have 7.4, 8.0, and 8.1 installed on my local machine. I can just go up to my toolbar, click 7.4. It go ahead. It uh, switches the PHP version, It'll restarts my valet. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Links everything up, restarts all the restarts Nginx, restarts everything, and then tells me, hey, you're good to go. All set for 7.4. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I can do my composer install and test that project locally using valet rather than having to set up you know, uh, a Docker container or anything like that. It's just, it works really, really well. So version 5.0 comes with an improved domains window. Global Composer Update, Fix My Valet, Service Indicator, PHP Info Per Site, and more. So now you can do PHP version per site. So you can say this site in particular uses this version of PHP. So when you're trying mm-hmm. to host it or, or you're trying to serve it locally, it'll just automatically give you the version of PHP that is being required or requested uh, by that uh, folder. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, the other thing that, that I've found in it that I like, our, um, our main work app, is we, we've got like for whatever reason when the repo was created everything was moved up a directory so like all of the the application is not in the git root there's like another folder that sits in the in the top so valet doesn't by default know to look in that directory and then for laravel but what phpmon allows you to do is to target a directory inside like a specific directory nice. so it'll just do the linking but then you can specify a url for it as well so doing manual linking kind of thing but where I find that particularly useful is that I have, I'm using Git work trees for my thing. So rather than just switching between branches, I can have multiple branches checked out at once and I can just jump oh, between directories that nice. that um that does that. So it Didn't allows me to more easily review code and compare it against master and without having to like stash things and switch branches sure. and then forget that I've stashed code and, and then be going, you know, where is my code gone that I'm sure I wrote kind of thing. So it allows me to, within each of those subdirectories of the of the Git work tree, to point to specific things and say, like, this is a checkout so, so that I can get Valet pointing to directories within directories within directories, but keeping everything in one, like, top-level directory. So that's really handy as well, which, of course, you can do using Valet, but it's nice to be able to just point it at a directory directly from the, the finder window, which is nice. That is awesome. Yeah, that is really cool. There's, I mean, there's a ton of new features in here. So you've got, I think one of the main big things is this domains window. 
So it'll show mm-hmm. you all the different sites that you have uh, that are able to be hosted with your version uh, or with your valet here. So you can link a folder in valet. So there's like park and there's link, right? When you're using valet, you can park an entire directory, which just says any subdirectories of this directory will be hosted automatically through valet. Or you can do a, or maybe it's maybe it's the opposite. I can't remember if it's link is that, and then park is a single domain I can, or single floor. I can't remember. Any case, you can do that from his domains window here. Site list performance improvements, faster and improved site search. The site list will show you what project type it is hosting it as, whether it be Laravel or WordPress or whatever. It looks at the composer.json and tries to determine what type of project it is. You can have brew service statuses in the drop-down menu. So PHP, Nginx, DNS, mask, etc. You can see the status of those in the drop-down menu. Uh, you can see a PHP version requirement in the site list. Compatibility status per site. You can change PHP versions from the compatibility status on the site's list. You can automatically update PHP INI. I'm really excited about this one, Alfred integration, which I you love me some mm-hmm. Alfred. So the fact that we'll have an Alfred plugin will be pretty cool. There's also a one-time message to sponsor Nico. And so uh, if you click on that, it's only going to come up the first time. If you click on it, uh, he says, mm-hmm. basically, I would charge about 20 bucks for this. So that would be awesome if you could you know, sponsor me. So for those of us who are able to do so and who enjoy using the tool, uh, Howie Lee would, uh, would highly suggest that. Definitely a, a good idea there. Okay, so you've got all sorts of that amazingness. It is free to use. It is the release now, not the beta anymore. It is actually the uh, 5.0 release. So go download that, sponsor Nico, and uh, make sure to say thanks as well. Mm. And, there's, and there's a few different options as well in terms of sponsorship. You can make a one-off donation via Stripe or PayPal, or you can use GitHub sponsors, and there's a, a $5 and a $10 a month tier there. So definitely check that out. This is a super useful utility. And I am right now, as we speak, live on the air, sending my 20 euro donation to Nico because this is a, a very useful tool. It's going to save a bunch of time. Yep, and yep. it's just super convenient, especially being able to switch switch PHP versions like that. So check that out. Thanks, Nico. Next up, we're into the packages now. We're into the packages and we would be remiss to mention packages without mentioning Yet another package from our friends at Sparsi. Laravel Slack Alerts is a package to send a message to Slack quickly. While you can set up a Slack notification channel in Laravel's robust notification system, sometimes all you need is a simple way to trigger a message in various Slack channels. This comes with a very simple API. You go Slack Alert, colon, colon, message, and then pass it your message, and that is it. The above message is sent via a configurable job, and you can also configure multiple Slack webhook URLs to which you can send messages. Messages can also contain Markdown and Slack emoji. If you'd like to learn more about the background behind this package, read a package to send Slack alerts in a Laravel app quickly article by Freik van der Herten. To get started with this package, check it out the readme. Check out the readme and the source code on GitHub. So this is nice and easy if you want to just specify a bunch of URLs, webhook URLs to send messages into the channel. Maybe when you get a, a new payment, maybe when you get when someone leaves or someone is flag their intent to cancel or whatever, you can go and chase those kinds of things up if you wish. Uh, Slack is a nice place to just funnel all of that noise. Indeed. Indeed. Very nice. Okay. We've got another package here called Eloquent Inspector for Laravel. So Andrea Marco Satori created this to inspect models and collect properties, relationships, and more. So what this does is it provides helpful informa- information about the use statements of a model, model properties, 
and model relationships. So the way that you use this is you say inspector colon colon inspect, then you pass in a class, uh, not like an instantiated new object, but just the class. So user colon colon class. And then you can say get use statements. And when you do that, I'm assuming it uses reflection behind the scenes or just inspects that class in order to tell you uh, what use statements it has on it. Uh, so it'll say it's using model and it's also using or extending, uh, you know, whatever other classes you might be using inside of that model there. Uh, you can say inspector inspect that same class and then say get properties. It will spit out a list of all the properties that are on that model. And then you can say uh, you can even specify drill down further. Like you can say properties ID name say id properties id type it'll tell you it's an integer properties id db type um you can ask if it's nullable or you can ask if it has a default value on the on the in the database uh, or even in the uh in the model itself you can look at relationships so again i'm not exactly sure when you would use this but if you needed to be able to inspect models instead of having to kind of mm. uh, dig around inside the model itself and try and figure out how you could get these out in a nice neat way uh, this allows you to do this quite simply and it looks like it's a uh, uh, you know got a great api as well uh, so eloquent inspector yeah. by andrea marco sartori yeah nice job very interesting i wonder I wonder what the use case for that would be because there's not like it tells you that you can inspect your models to collect properties and relationships, mm -hmm. but not really. Andrea, Andrea, if you're listening to this, it would be good if you put in your readme some use cases for when and why you might want to do this. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about this again next time. I can think of like some things where, hmm, like if I had like, if like a I child models in the context or something, of, like ID helper see. or something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Maybe something like that. Mm hmm. Or if you wanted to be able to see if a model had a particular type of use statement on it. But I, I suppose there are other ways to do that as well. Um, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, like what, what would be a good use case for this? I'm interested. What, he's obviously got a specific mm. one in mind. Yeah, I'd be interesting, interested in knowing more about the why, whether the blog post was something in the readme or a link from the readme to a blog post. Absolutely. Good point. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Ooh, you get to talk about this next one. Next one, yeah, this is weird, but I saw you were, you were all about this. The Tailwind CSS Laravel package from Toby Macias wraps up the standalone CLI version of Tailwind CSS framework for Laravel applications. If you're not familiar with the purpose of the Tailwind CSS standalone CLI, the announcement about it explains it thusly. Tailwind CSS is written in JavaScript and distributed as an NPM package, which means you've always had to have Node and NPM installed to use it. This has made it harder to integrate into projects when using NPM isn't always common and with tools like Rails and Phoenix both moving away from NPM by default, we needed to find a way for people to use Tailwind in these projects without forcing them to adopt an entirely separate ecosystem of tooling. Today, we're announcing a new standalone CLI build that gives you the full power of Tailwind CLI in a self-contained executable with no node or NPM required. So this is from the Tailwind team saying that they released the Tailwind CLI, which is a standalone binary that you can use exactly yep. so this package from tony provides convenient commands such as installing scaffolding building and minifying tailwind builds via the standalone cli so you've got artisan commands to do all of this you've got tailwind css colon download colon install colon build and colon watch the package also comes with a tailwind css helper function to render the compiled assets instead of using mix for node.js environments uh, so this is particularly useful if if you're building a laravel application and you're not You've not got any JavaScript dependencies. You're not using Vue or React. You don't. You don't have anything. And and really, the only reason that you have 
NPM at all is to do that one-time compilation of your Tailwind stuff, then perhaps this is something that you can check out. You keep everything in PHP land. It wraps everything up for you around that Tailwind bundle or the, the, you know, the CLI. And it allows you to run just artisan commands to do the watching and building and whatever. And so you can swap that out and keep your build small. It means you don't have to install NPM in your production environments. You don't need the, the weight of, you know, NPM inside of your build step and things like that. If you've ever used the Tailwind CLI, it is very quick. And I know that, you know, the team put a lot of effort into making it quick and seamless for everyone. So definitely check that out. If, you know, if there is no other reason that you've got NPM in your projects other than to build your Tailwind CSS, then definitely check this one out. This is a, I said it was weird at the start, but now that I've had a close look at it, this is wonderful. And because I don't do much JavaScript uh, in at least my side projects, um, this is definitely worth a look if you're using Tailwind. It is indeed. And so, He's kind of Tony is on this. Um, he's he's got a hey.com blog that he also so he's got his own personal blog, but then he's got a hey.com blog uh, that he has out there, which the name of the blog post is front end without node NPM or webpack in Laravel. And so he talks about following the Rails Phoenix moves to simplify the development workflows exactly kind of like how you described. But then he talks about mm-hmm. how they're using uh, import map instead of NPM or webpack or anything like that. Uh, to create a bundle, you don't have to do that anymore. And with using HTTP2 now, you don't uh, incur the penalty that you used to uh, when you had to make a bunch of requests. So essentially, the idea is that you just use like a CDN, like, and it just grabs mm-hmm. all of those different things and just pulls them all in at runtime rather than having to compile them all into one big bundle. Um, and he even talks about the ability to uh, pull them all in locally and say like put them on there but then you don't you still don't have like a bundle that you have to do so you just ship it all up with your uh with your code and then that you don't incur that handshake penalty that https handshake mm-hmm. penalty to with a bunch of different cdns um so there's some really cool stuff going on here and i would be overjoyed to not have to have a build step anymore i mean how sweet would that be that'd be super nice yeah and i don't think that's maybe not like a build step but not a bundle step you don't have a bundle step so anyway Sorry, last thing. He also talks a little bit about how uh, with uh, Vue and with React, you have like JSX. And so it, it kind of requires that build step, but apparently there is another. Mm-hmm. If you don't use JSX uh, or like SFC, uh, then you can, you know, if you're just using like render functions, I guess, without using JSX, then you can still do it with uh, with this um, import map thing. Anyway, nice. I digress. It's a really It's a really cool and interesting concept i had never heard about it until last week so really really cool stuff Mm. hey also speaking of really really cool stuff uh we wanted to take a minute to talk about hook relay so let's say you want to add webhooks to your app and after having worked with the webhooks that stripe provides you want yours to be just as great as theirs well there's more than just sending a json payload to your customer's url and calling it a day right the really good news is that hook relay has already done all the hard work for you hook relay will show you what was sent in a webhook it supports inbound and outbound webhooks, full duplex. You can add background jobs so you don't hold up your web requests. You can do webhook retries, deliveries with backoffs up to days later to work around errors without overwhelming the receiving server. It records deliveries uh, and it is amazing at providing visibility uh, for the webhooks that you've sent. So without Hook Relay, you have no idea how many requests you've sent, how many you've processed. And with Hook Relay, you can watch your traffic, inspect each request. It's like x-ray vision. So you can skip days of grunt work rolling your own webhook system and get reliable webhooks for your app in minutes 
not days. Go to hookrelay.dev to get started and check webhooks off your to-do list. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show, Honey Badger and Hook Relay. Okie dokie. Back at it, my friend. Next up, improve debugging output with a Laravel dumper. The Laravel dumper package improves on the default dumper with useful Laravel-specific enhancements. Now, this is particularly particularly useful in the CLI. So instead of getting, if you've ever done a dump or a DD in your tests or in a tinker command or whatever, all you get is just like a wall, like a screen, a scrolling screen mm-hmm, indeed. of JSON, of your you know JSON output, your array output. So what this package does is it will give you, like in the in the browser, you've got the ability to click to expand each of the the objects in the in the array or the you know the nested object. You get the same thing in the terminal, so you can get a nice collapsed readable output. Um, you get help information for various core Laravel objects such as models, query builder instances, the service container, database connections, carbon instances, requests, and responses. Those last two, especially if you are inside of a test and you're doing a HTTP test, a browser, uh, you know, a uh, this get or whatever, and then you tap the response and you dump the response and then you get the entire app container in that response and you've got to scroll forever just to get to the top of it. This is particularly useful because it's going to collapse all of that into nice clickable little arrows to, to split things up. So you can expect enhanced output automatically wherever you typically use DD and given the experience with chaining DD calls onto the query builder, for example, uh, so if you have like post query, select title, where ID, and then you chain DD onto the end of that, you'll get the the output of the query. And then you'll also get all of the bound values come back in a separate array. If you still want to access the original default dump or DD behavior, you can use helpful commands that are included, DDF and dump F for full. If you'd like to learn more about the difference between the default experience and the enhancements made by the dumper package, check out the Laravel dumper diffs on GitHub. And you can learn more about this package and get full installation instructions and view the source code on GitHub, all of which will be linked in the show notes. And well done to Chris for putting this all together. Very nice. We've also got a quick uh, article here by everyone's favorite human, Mr. Paul Redmond. And I don't think Paul gets enough credit. We haven't talked about him for a while. So quick shout out to Paul Redmond. If you don't know who Paul is, Paul writes so much of the content on Laravel News here and is just a general all around rock star of a dude. So if you don't follow him or you haven't said thanks to Paul, please reach out and say hey to him and tell him he's awesome. Paul, thanks so much, man, for all you do. We've got a complete web scraping toolkit for PHP called Roach PHP. And not only does it handle the crawling of web content, but it also provides an entire pipeline to process that scraped data, making it an all-in-one resource for scraping web pages with PHP. So here's some of the main features among uh, many other awesome web scraping features. There are spiders, which are classes designed to crawl the uh, crawl web pages. You can have data pipelines that will then take that data and process and collect it. Uh, you can extract data really easily from HTML and XML documents. There's also this idea of an interactive shell. If you've ever tried to do this, this sort of like web scraping, you know that it's sort of like a guess and check game uh, where you're trying to extract particular pieces. And so you can open a REPL with a given URL, just PHP Artisan Roach colon shell and then the URL. And then you can just sort of start digging around and figuring out kind of (laughs) what you need to do to extract a particular piece. So you can find it and then you can say, oh, that's the spot I need. Let me figure out what I need to do to get that piece. And then you can write that into one of your spider classes uh, and make sure that it will get the target the data that you're looking for. 
You can write extensions to hook into the or uh, the Roach PHP features or to extend those Roach PHP features. And it also has a built-in logging extension. It is a framework agnostic library, but it does integrate uh, really nicely with Laravel as there is a first-party Roach PHP Laravel package. Uh, so you can get started really, really quickly. The Laravel package defines convenient services for Roach PHP and CLI commands to create spiders and run that interactive shell that we just talked about a minute ago. Uh, so if you ever need to scrape pages with Roach, or, or sorry, if you need, ever would like to scrape pages with PHP, this is a great way to get started. I am definitely going to be taking a look at this one. There's been a couple things recently that I've wanted to do with this. Even like if I want, like, okay, so if you know my electric bill goes down in the winter and up in the summer and my my gas bill does the opposite and i've thought a couple of times it would be cool if i could just have it go scrape and just tell me kind of how it's going for the month based on like gas usage and stuff I thought that'd be kind of interesting but hmm. again i don't want to go in it's not worth it to it's just it's it's just to know it's not because it matters but <laughs> it's just kind of be interesting to look at that and be like I guess Laura's been mm-hmm. cranking the heat to 82 this winter. I don't know, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. This is a really, really interesting uh, package. I've heard about this a couple of times. I think Marcel was talking about it not too long ago. So I definitely want to check this one out. Absolutely. Uh, on to a couple of tutorials now. The first one is from, I had his name, Anton Rum. He's a 19-year-old self-taught full-stack web developer from Germany. So congratulations, Anton, for publishing an article. I think this is your first article even on Laravel News. So this tutorial goes through how you can automate the deployment of your PHP code base with the help of GitHub Actions and Ansible. Talks through everything you need to do to prepare to set up the inventory to create your playbook and to set up the GitHub Actions to make the deployment possible. So I won't go into it because it's quite code heavy and it's uh, you know showing you all the different things that you need to do so that there is some expectation that you have an understanding of how Ansible works, but there is some nice copy-paste examples that you can check out as well. So definitely have a look at that one. Thanks, Anton, for your contribution. Very nice. Hey, tell me if this sounds familiar. I recently made a mistake where a staging environment emailed out a few thousand people. <laughs> Does that sound like anything you've ever done, Michael? Not anything I've done recently, but certainly something that I'm sure we've all done all in the of past us. I, one I, way or another. Yeah, I remember one time when I was first getting started with Stripe and I was like, okay, I want to test this. And, you know, I just, I'm just going to test it. And I forgot to change out my production credentials with like the test credentials. And I'm running tests and I'm like, why is this test not passing? So I ran it a ton of times and I found out I had been charging this donor that was a real mm-hmm. donor in the real database, like, you know, I'd hit him up for 50 bucks, like a hundred times. So it was like $5,000 charged this dude up. Thankfully he was really understanding, but it happens, right? <laughs> this is a common enough yeah. story. So Chris Fidal took the time to write up a quick article on how you can hopefully prevent this. And the article is called safer staging environments with black hole storage. So he relates this story where he emailed out a bunch of people Uh, And he says, there's a lot of ways to safeguard against this, but this trick is one that I don't commonly see used. So in their case, they have a database table that has a list of people to email, which email to send them and when to send it. So this uh, is sort of like a drip campaign list, if you will, right? Here's the next email that's going to go out to them. Here's when you need to send it. Here's the email address to send it to. So Crontask in their Mm -hmm. uh, situation checks this table periodically. So Uh, One way to safeguard against this in their case would be if that table never had any data in it. So in MySQL, 
we're almost mostly all mostly using the InnoDB storage engines or my ISAM for older databases. MySQL has other storage engines, and one of those is the black hole engine. So as MySQL describes it, the black hole storage engine acts as a black hole that accepts data, but throws it away and doesn't store it. Retrievals always return an empty result. So this is really perfect. I've never heard of this. Uh, But everything in our application can work normally in staging, but this table will just never have any data within it, right? Uh, So he talks about how to alter a MySQL table. The only step I had to take was altering a table. uh, And he ran into an error here where MySQL did not like that there was a default value of 0, 0, 0, 0, colon, 0, 0, whatever for timestamp field. So get around that. You have to adjust the SQL mode for the database's connection session. And here's the commands he ran to do it. But then that's it. The table will exist, be queryable, but will never retain data. Wow. That is really freaking mm-hmm. cool. Never have heard about this. That's pretty awesome, though. Yeah, absolutely. It's, un- unless you know, you have those scenarios where you actually want to test that something goes into that database. So you so that's what obviously I'm, that's have to be mindful I'm, of that. Yeah. So it sounds like he says it's queryable, but it doesn't retain data. So he mm-hmm. says everything in our application can work normally in staging. But this table will just never have data within it. So how does it work perfectly yeah. in staging if it doesn't have data? I don't know how that works. Is it I mean, I suppose in staging, you, you never want to be able to send an email at all. So, you know, it's something that you would have to consider how you want to do it. Obviously, your test will probably want to insert and fetch data from there and things like that. But in your staging environment, if you want it to be, you know, production-like without the risk of ever having to, you know, send out emails to people incorrectly, then the black hole approach is is one that you can consider. Ah, I'm sorry. Um, and it looks, I would, yeah, it looks too like you could just do it for that particular table, not for, you don't have to, yeah, right, not, you don't have to do it for the whole database. Not the whole database. Right, right, right. Yeah, right, right. yeah, yeah. The yeah, engine, yeah. engine that is like you can set a default, but the engine is per table. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, this makes more sense then. So he says, ensure mm-hmm. the table has no data. So truncate offending worrisome table, and then he alters the offending worrisome table to use an engine of black hole. That's, I get yeah. that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So you do it as part of your like deploy step. Whenever you're deploying to staging, you could do an environment check and say, okay, we're in we're in staging, so we need to run you know MySQL dash e alter table offending virus and table engine equals black hole and however many different tables that happens to be, and you can just get that all done as part of the deployment process to slick. your staging environments. That is pretty slick. Very nice. Chris has always Chris has encountered all of the problems. Always, he's always got yes, he has lovely solutions. Yep. Yep, yep. That is pretty interesting, though. What a great idea. Black hole engine. Hmm. Well, that's it. Hey, man, that's, that's all we got for today. You got anything else we need that's to it? talk about here? I got nothing. I got to figure out why my camera's on a slant, but other than that... It looks nothing. good. I think it looks good. Uh, maybe your room's on a slant. Maybe, maybe. You are maybe upside down, after all. You're under the equator. It's possible that I'm upside down and on a slight, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On a slight uh, angle. Indeed, in fact. Indeed, in fact, you are. And also your mm-hmm. toilets, when you flush them, go the opposite way. The opposite way. I don't know if that's true they or not. straight up into our face. Disc- <laughs> <laughs> I think you said that last time and I laughed we at have, it last time too. Uh, no, yeah. it's like clockwise or counterclockwise, right? Like I got to know if that's yeah. actually true. We're going to have to test this. I've tried to get I you to we'll test it before. We'll, after, we're, after we're off the we'll air, both I go, want you to we'll go, go both, yep, yeah. video and send we'll, it on We'll Telegram. both go to the toilet after the video. <laughs> okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks no so much for hanging out with us. Uh, this was episode 160 of the Laravel News Podcast. You can find show notes for this episode at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 160. If you liked the show, we would really appreciate it if you'd rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars is much appreciated. Reach out to us on Twitter at Jacob Bennett or at Michael Dorinda or at Laravel News if you have any questions. Thanks again to Honey Badger for sponsoring the show with their amazing new product, Hook Relay. All right, folks, until we see you next time, keep those toilets flushing in the right direction. Peace out. Bye. Bye. Bye.